Okay, we back, bitches. <laughs> That's one way to start. Yeah, we back, bitches. Is and by bitches, start. I'm talking to Sammy and Susan. And we are talking to the dogs, yeah. They are bitches. Yeah, we are. They're both girls. Lady doggies. All right. Uh, so, uh, this is for them, right? They're the only listeners. Yeah, the only listeners are our dogs. Um, just making sure. Just making sure. All right. So, this is episode seven of Killer Pillow Talk. Kibs and Bits. We're calling it Kibbies and Bits. Or Kibbies and Bits, sure. Um, because if that doesn't give it away, then I don't know what does. <laughs> you want to introduce the killer? Okay, this is the story of Roger Reese Kibby, aka the I Five Strangler. It's also uh, Roger Reese Kibby. He he was known for um, uh, if you he got chocolate in peanut butter. What am I thinking? Of? That's Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Different thing. Um, he didn't make the job? I don't think so. Susan, listen up. She's making a nest over there. Okay. Don't worry about it. All right. Born May 21st, 1930. Oh, we're watching right into Anything I need to know? No, I'm going to tell you about it. Okay. Born May 21st, 1939, according to Wikipedia. May 21st? Yes. Mother's Day. Sure. Is it the same every month? Or no. every, not every it's month? It's close I mean, to. It's right around. I mean, it's not same. every month. Mother's Day is the same every month. Yeah. It's the same day? No, it's close. It's uh-huh. the same. Isn't it like the third Sunday of May or something? Yeah, so 21st. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but that's not always the 21st. Though. Okay. Anyway. I was making a comment. Trying to it's just... around Mother's Day. All right, well, I'm trying to report on things. This is kind of a conflicting report because it says he was born May 21st, 1939, according to Wikipedia. But the Oxygen Network says he was born in 1949, and Murderpedia says he was born in 1941, and then People Magazine said he was 81 when he died, so I originally thought that it meant he was 19, born in 1940. Now, I can figure it out. He died recently. Yes, he died February 29th, 28th of this year. Oh, 2021. Yeah. So, oh, just a mere month ago. So, he was born in 19... 19- Forty, if he was eighty-one when he died. But he was born in May. Oh wait, no, he's born in thirty-nine. Not quite eighty-two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought he was born. So in it's thirty-nine. 40. Go on. I thought he was born in nineteen forty-two, but then he I was almost like, made it to his eighty-second birthday. But then I'm the like, big eight-two. <laughs> I'm bad at math, so that's fine. Yeah, so I guess it is nineteen thirty-nine, but there's a lot of other things that say spoiler alert. Stuff. He's dead. I think everyone probably knew that already. You probably hey. saw that on Facebook or in some newspaper or something. Was it all over the book? Probably. Hmm. All right. Not a ton of background info on Raj Podge. Um, Raj Podge? I don't know. Like most serial killers. I'll give him a cute name. Okay, fine. I won't call him that anymore. He's a serial killer. Like most horrible people and serial right. killers, he had a difficult childhood. Although that's not an excuse, because people have had rough childhoods all the time, and they don't go on killing sprees. I had a rough childhood. It's called therapy. Well, Try I'm it. I'm in therapy now. Yeah, I mean, I had a. I mean, I don't know if I had a rough, like rough, like he had a rough childhood. Rough. No one hit. No me. one hit me, but I mean, yeah, I wasn't a 
physically abused, but right. my parents got divorced. And, you know, Mine should have. Yeah. Stuff happened. Um, but that's not an excuse. There's therapy for that. Um, I know. I just had it. Exactly. Uh, so Roger's mother beat him often. I wasn't there. There we are. And he got bullied at school for having a stutter. I had a stutter. You had a stutter? I still have a stutter, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I would, uh, I, you know, as an adult, I, I would, if I could tell the kid one thing, young Raj one thing, I'd tell him, it gets better. You know, because adults, I mean, don't really bully you. Am I speaking not, loud enough? Not to your face. Anyway. Not to your face, right. And that's all that matters. Um, anyway, he was arrested as a teen for petty theft and prowling. Okay. Hey, teens on the prowl. That was uh, me in uh, high school. Every teen wolf's favorite weekend activity, prowling. Oh, no, there's is howling. Where are you going tonight, Roger? Nowhere, Mom. Just thought I'd prowl around a bit. Just thought I'd prowl at the moon. <laughs> well, prowling, he got picked up for stealing random women's bathing suits and stockings. This is like a 16 Candles type thing. Uh, sure. Holds up the bathing suit. Have you seen that movie? I... You're gonna get me on a technicality. You haven't seen it, so you don't know what we're talking about. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, the author of Trace Evidence, How to Hunt a Serial Killer, Bruce Henderson, interviewed Robert Kibbles. Roger Kibbles. I mean, Kibbles and Bits. Roger Kibby. Kibby. Yeah. He's not a dog food brand. He's not. I just wanted to say kibbles and bits. He's dog food now, though. Mm. Oh, he's fish food. What is it? Uh, it depends on where you get buried. I guess it's worm food. Worm food. And states that he enjoyed tying himself up with women's underwear and cutting up the stolen garments with scissors. This is nothing like 16 Candles. Arts and, and crafts! I and I haven't seen the movie. Break out the bedazzler! Is there a serial killer named the Bedazzler? I don't think so. We should do them next. All right. Well, I I'll look it up and we'll try and do that. Okay. So uh, when he grew up, Roger made and sold furniture, and he married a hardcore bitch named Harriet. Not the dog. And I cover their ears. No, I don't know. If she, uh, she just Harriet. We're going to Disney World. The mother in Family Matters was named Harriet. Harriet. No, I, I, I don't know that it didn't specifically say hardcore bitch, but it said like someone like his mother, who I assume was a hardcore bitch, but she beat him. So Carl Winslow. No. And Harry Winslow. Well, it, this was Roger and Harriet Kibby. Um. Anyway, he spent his free time skydiving and cutting up his wife's undergarments. You know. Imagine your hobby is skydiving. I was trying to say something. Why do you always have to interrupt me when I'm speaking? Uh, I had I have bits that I wrote down. Oh, sorry. Wrote down. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said, you know, this the usual '70s pastimes: cutting up your wife's underwear, skydiving, key parties. Yeah, cell phones weren't invented yet, so, so you he, had to get creative. You had to do something. You, know, you had to do something. Um. Anyway, according to Stockton, California newspapers, the record trace evidence section. Shout out to Stockton, California's The Record. Kibby had a brother as well who was oh. um, a police detective, and it is believed that good old Roger Dodger spent quality time with Roger his bro. Dodger. But with his bro, grilling him on police procedures and investigation practices. He thinks he did. He's a little Icarus over here. He flew too close to the sun. 
Gee, I wonder why. Could it be he was doing his homework before deciding to start his I-5 murder tour? I-5. Now, where is... Are you going to tell me where the I-5 is? This is all in California. The I-5, yes. California. Here we come. Oh. I-5. Here um, it is. I'm looking at it. Yep. California. Where all, okay, the, cool. all the great serial killers of the 70s. And oh, but it's in like the hills. Started. It's in like, it's not like, it's like Redding. It's like central. It's so like, you know how everybody's familiar with the coast of California? This is like inland California. This is Redding. It's like Tahoe. It's it's no, no, not not quite. Well, he does. Shush. It's uh, on the way to Sacramento, which I believe is my favorite Dean Martin film. Is that Bob Hope? <sighs> no, Bob Hope film on the way to Sacramento. I don't think I've ever seen that either. Yeah. All right. Anyway, in September 1977, Kibbs and Bits posted a fake WAN ad at a trade school in San Francisco. Like you do. 21-year-old student Ellen Burley answered the ad. Roger introduced himself as Mr. John Brown. Because that doesn't sound like an alias at all. Ah. John Brown? Yeah. If you um, uh, show up at a police station uh, without any type of ID on you, they call you John Brown. No, they call you John Doe. You sure do? I mean, that's what they call dead bodies. They don't know what you name them. Okay. So I can't say I haven't showed up to a police station with no ID on me. I know. It was been a lot. All right. Ah, uh, uh, the 70s. If only women had murder podcasts like this one to warn them about these obvious red flags. They didn't have podcasts. Uh, I imagine, well, I mean anything. Podcasts, books, you know, some sort I'd of... Say, if women had anything. Magazines. If they, <laughs> if they talked about this in Cosmopolitan, allowed. maybe yeah. there would be less murders to go mm-hmm. on. Um, anyway. Mm-hmm. Alright, speaking of red flags, Mr. Brown told Ellen that his office was under construction and they would have to interview in his van. <laughs> Oh, the 70s. Everything took place in a van. What, they didn't have Starbucks back then? Come on, go to a diner or something. Don't get into some weird unknown guy's van for a job. did not have Starbucks, no. They had to have, like, a coffee shop or something. Coffee shops, yeah. But no, 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 diners, yeah. A little, like, dinette set? I don't know. Well, maybe they might have had Starbucks, but it was only in... Well, San Francisco was that was a city. Oh, San Francisco is known for um, Riceroni. Sure, then go to Riceroni's R.S. or whatever it is. Um, but still, don't get in some weird guy's van. Uh, even like a park bench would be a little bit better than getting in some weird dude's van. Anyway, Ellen thought that's perfectly reasonable and got into the van. According to the Murder Squad, a podcast hosted by Paul Holes, an MFM murderino favorite and former cold case investigator and investigative journalist Billy Jensen. September 11th, 1977, when Ellen met with John Brown, was actually her second interview. So why she chose to get into the van twice is beyond me. Like, getting into a creepy man van the first time would be a deal breaker for me, and I probably wouldn't do it again. All right. 
I'm an investigative journalist. What was his name? Jane? Billy Jensen. Billy Jensen. And I've got a few questions for you. Come into my van. Um, well, he didn't come into my van as far as I know. Billy Jensen's the good guy, if I'm following. Yeah, I, I think so. Anyway, I guess she really needed the money. Uh, student loans are a bitch. They are. And even back then. Yeah. They were a bitch. Mm, women going to school, having to pay for their own way. Before they find a husband. And women were barely allowed to go to school back then. I think you're thinking of the 50s. Not that far off. All right. Well, anyway. So after she gets into the van, he drives her to Lake Berryessa in Napa County. Helen? This is Helen? Helen. Who's Uh, Helen? I don't know. Ellen. 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 Yes. So he takes her out to Lake Berryessa in Napa County, rapes her, strangles her, and Mm. dumps her body in the river nearby. I knew it was going to take a turn. Yeah, not a great one. Um, so and this took place on I five, or, or nearby I five. Yeah. Um, and he strangled her. He strangled her. That's he... his method. Well, this is his first official kill, so yeah. yeah, I guess this is him developing his mo. Um, sadly for Ellen, her and her family, her remains were never really fully recovered, and Kibby was never formally charged with her murder. Um. DNA evidence from a bone found at the scene 30 years later finally linked him to the crime in June of 2011. Wow. Mm-hmm. They yeah. linked him via a bone. Yeah, well, they didn't find her entire body because he dumped it in the river and they didn't know where it was. Mm. So the only thing they found um, was a bone and they did like DNA evidence to trace it back to like positively ID it as Ellen's that bone. That is nuts. Yeah, it's all crazy. Uh, but apparently the satisfaction he got from killing Ellen must have lasted a long time because he didn't kill again until 1986, as far as we know. That's like 15 years? 1977 to 1986? Oh, nine no. years, sorry. No, it's not. I was thinking about uh, 71. Where are you getting 71 from? Don't know. Just popped into my head. Okay, um... Alright, so he didn't kill again until 1986. I was one year old. I was negative seven. No, negative six. Alright, so... Not even a good... My parents had just gotten married. Well, technically I wasn't born yet because it was April 21st. So I was... Or yes, I was because it was 86. I was born in 85. So I was almost one years old. Um, anyway, Laura Hedrick from Modesto, California. Sometimes... Hmm. Used to do sex work in order to get money to buy drugs. So. You know, because that's what you do. And on April 21st. No, it is what you do. It's a very, uh, um, very logical, uh, career path. Okay, well, she was a sex worker and she did sex work to buy drugs sometimes. Perfectly natural. And on April 21st, 1986, she was last seen getting into a white Ford Maverick of a 50-something-year-old John. So he ditched the van, and now he's driving a Maverick. Soon he'll be driving a Goose. I don't know. He has a lot of different cars. And was never heard from again. Oh. Her remains were found on September 1986 off Interstate I-5 near Sacramento. It appears... now we're doing a pattern. Yes. It appears Kibby was trying to dump her in a nearby nearby waterway. 
And her, got, yeah, this is his thing. Her body got caught on a bush. Caught on a bush. Um, uh, that's a uh, uh, caught on a bush. Um, mm-hmm. hi, welcome back to Caught on a Bush. So he didn't hide this one as well because he she got caught on a bush. Um, I got caught on a bush. Um, anyway. That sounds like a seventies TV show. Yeah, well, caught on a bush was my favorite TV show. That sounds like a seventies Australian TV show, doesn't it? Caught on, caught on a bush. I can't do it. Yeah, caught on a bush. Crikey, <laughs> there it is, the bush. Anyway, you're caught on it. According to Jensen That's and not... Holes, her hands were born or not born, not like That's born not like a baby. Australian. Now her hands were bound with. That's a... not Australian. This is Australian. Are you done now, Crocodile Lindy? Yeah. Alright, well, according to Jensen and Holes, her hands were bound with parachute cord and the crotch of her pants had been removed. Jensen and Holes, as Far Brothers would say, the murder squad, are the new Rizzolian Isle. They're the original Rizzolian Isle. They're the original Rizzolian Because they're men. Um. <laughs> and women can be detectives, too. Well, I think Paul Holes has been doing this for a long time. So. Rizzoli and that. Paul Rizzoli. Holes, the father of modern improv. That's no, Paul, Paul, that's Paul, Paul Holes is the father of cold sea cold crime investigations. Or something. Okay. And I just said that earlier. Yeah, you did. Alright. The Oxygen Network uh, said that he cut out... Oh, we, we love the Oxygen Network. Oh, well, they did a special Channel on this. Channel 99. They what did a it? special on this. Uh, the oxygen network said he cut out weird oval shapes with her tank top that he no. used to strangle her. So I don't know what was going on there. There's no. uh, mixed reviews. I don't think that's okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they he cut out the crotch or also the like top that. and with ovals, kind of like a Regina George in Mean Girls. That's what I'm imagining. He just cut out the boobs. And there's just ovals where the boobs should be. I guess so. I don't know if that's true, but. So like it reveal, you think he was revealing the nipple? Uh, that's what I, my mind went to when you think of the cutting opposite, out, cutting of out like, holes in a tank top. I thought that the opposite of like nipple cuts. N- yeah. Pasties. The opposite of that, though. So imagine you're naked and wearing pasties. Now take the negative. You're fully clothed <laughs> with just your areola. Well, be. Well, I'm guessing it's all m- three the, of them. The whole boob. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I can't say for sure. I didn't see it. We're speculating. Yes. Uh, maybe he was looking to make a patchwork quilt. Uh, Probably not. Some type of quilt. Yeah, I know. I was kidding. I was just trying to make it. Caught on a bush. No. Uh, what am I doing? All right. Well, anyway, at this point, Roger's murderous tendencies have begun to escalate. He's getting a. Uh, an addiction for it now. Um, so July 2nd, 1986, while he was working at the L&M Furniture Company, Kibbs makes a date with 29-year-old Barbara Ann Scott from Pittsburgh, California. No, I went to school in Pittsburgh. Not California, though. Pittsburgh, California? Yes. I did not go to school in Pittsburgh, California. And Spelled he, the same? Well, spelled the same. Nope. Nope. Not so missing the, same. the H. Oh, well, excuse me. As they always are. Excuse me, I don't know. As most copycat cities are. Anyway, he promised he would pay for her whole for the whole night. You know, like 
just like in Pretty Women. Um, Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. The sequel would be Pretty Women. Pretty Women, yeah. Uh, so, just like, you know, a guy winds up, comes to pick you up, offers to pay for your whole night, and you're like, sure, let's go. Are you going to buy me a wardrobe, too? Um, right. This is pre- Pretty Woman, so that movie didn't come out yet. Um, Dress me in your Maverick. Let's see, driving Maverick. Uh, I don't know what car he's driving in this. All right. I kind of wanted to. He said he would pay her for her whole night, but she ended up paying with her life. Okay. Oh no. Mm, Yeah, I went there. Uh. So after he raped her, Barbara was made to kneel down while he strangled her with her own sweater. He hid her body. He doesn't use uh, like. Uh, like a wire or anything. He uses their own clothing. Sometimes. Um, he hid her body under a low-hanging tree in the Antioch golf course. A bush? Not a bush. No. It's a low-hanging what tree. What the fuck is a low-hanging It's a low-hanging tree. It's like a short one. He claimed... I don't know. I saw the joke. It seemed like a low-hanging tree to me. Well, he claimed that he didn't kill her, but like on Maury, DNA confirmed that that was a lie. Kibby, you are the killer. Oh. <laughs> DNA, when when was this found out? Uh, like later on, like, probably. I'll get to that at the end. Okay. Um, you are the killer. Yeah. On July 15th, 1986, 19-year-old Stephanie Brown is giving her friends a ride home after a night out at the club. Not really sure. That's where they were? I don't know. I just made that up. I, I mean, they were out. It just said they were out. It didn't you say ever been to Duck Club? They were out. The Club. So I wasn't sure if it was at the Club. But um, it was near the Pocket the pocket Road area. I went to school in Duck Club. Uh, it was near the Pocket Road area. You know, cute little pocket roads. You just carry them around. And whenever you need one, you pull it out and drive away on it. Before um, Pocket roads. and... Uh, Brought to you by AAA. Before MapQuest and uh, our phones, we used to have pocket roads. What they would be is uh, you would, it was this atlas that you would keep in the car. Pocket roads brought to you by AAA. Anyway, cops found Stephanie's abandoned car on the I-5 at the Hood Franklin exit. You know, Hood Franklin. Uh, Several hours later, police found her body off Correa Road, south of Highway 12 in San Joaquin County. San, uh, San Joaquin. Yeah, like Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, like San Joaquin Phoenix. There were Correa Road. Correa Road, south mm. of Highway 12 in San Joaquin County. There were ligature marks on her wrists, mm. and her clothes and hair were cut. Uh, I know. Was, with what? I'm guessing scissors. His teeth? No. Oh. August 18th, 1986. When I was the ripe old age of... One. One. That's it. You're still one in the start. In the, in the start. 26-year-old Charmaine Sabah was on her way home from a shopping trip with her mom, and their car broke down on the I-5 near Petir Road. I'd be... If I was alive then, I'd be so scared to drive on the I-5. Well, I don't think they knew that there was a serial killer at this point. They didn't? It's not being reported on at all? I don't think they know it officially, because you don't know that they're all, like, connected. At first, I don't know. Some of them, You didn't know they were all connected? Well, some of them they didn't. I don't think that some of the bodies they didn't find right away. Well, so. When did the police start 
I don't know. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. Ah, they don't have time to do that. Apparently. Why? It's the 80s. It's the 70s. 80s? It's the 80s now. You're right. A man pulled over in a Datsun 280Z to help them out. There we go. New car. This guy keeps upgrading. Yeah. He drove Charmaine's mother to a payphone, but she couldn't reach anyone because this was pre-cell phones, as we all said before. Even those big, chunky ones that you needed a whole separate bag to carry. Zach Morris one. Yeah. So the man... The antenna pulls up. I understand. It folds down. So the man drives mom back to Charmaine and says, and the car, and says, Hey, why don't I drive you ladies home individually because my car is so small. And they're like, great. And Just like, leaves Charmaine on the side of the road. It's like, Mom, you go first because you have to get home to little Timmy. There was a small child at home. I'm not sure Timmy? if it was a Timmy. I just added that for reference. Um, and then that was the last time she saw her daughter Charmaine. No. Yep, cut to three months later in November when hunters found her body. She had been bound, sexually assaulted, and strangled. There was a piece of fabric missing from the crotch of her hosiery. Why let why would you drive? He drove the mother home, fine, and dropped her off, yes. and then went back and killed your daughter. I mean, if the daughter doesn't show up that night, you immediately know Something it's the happened. guy we met on the side of the road. Well, I don't think he gave them his name. It's John Brown from the side of the road. Okay, well, they, they I don't think they gave him his name. She probably gave them like a sketch of it, like the and this is when the cops she, are like she maybe has we have to a... remember his face. Okay. They shared a car ride home. All right. Well, this is the typical kibby cocktail. There was no cell phone to look at. Okay. Well, at this point cops are like maybe we have a serial killer on our hands. Did you say kibby cocktail? Kibby cocktail. What the hell would that be? I don't know. Strangled, raped, Left on the side of the road. Shaken and stirred. And cut. And your clothes cut up. Um, okay, maybe that wasn't that funny. Um, it's not funny, really. None of it's funny. It's bad that these poor women are dead. This is very troubling. I know, I'm sorry. It's so bad. Are the victims all women? Yeah. Mm. At this point, cops are like, maybe we have a serial killer on our hands. You think? So they were paying close attention to Roger's precious I-5. They had an undercover female oh, cops. they were paying close attention to the I-5. Yeah, they had They a, don't associate it with Roger. They don't know who's doing it, but they were having female undercover cops uh, well, pose on the highway. I'm like, they're on to it. No. They have no idea who it is. We're gonna get you, little man. They So they had um, undercover female cops posed along the highway oh, as bait. So, like, because he would pick interesting. up... Interesting. Bait and switch. He would either pick up sex workers, um, like hire a sex worker and drive them out there. He has a type. He would like find people that are like women that were having road trouble and like prey on them. Hey, little lady, seems you're having some road trouble. You wanna get into my car? Alright, uh, so they had. It's a Chevy Silverado. Are you done? Alright, witnesses describe the killer as a middle-aged white guy with a large nose. Middle-aged white guy? Large nose? That could be any Jew. I don't think he's Jewish. Oh. And wouldn't you know who they pull over on the I-5? The good old Roger Dodger. <laughs> any Jew. Uh, is he Jewish? He's not Jewish. Why are you calling him Roger Dodger? I don't know. Cause... 
Roger Do- Kibbe. He's dodging the cops. Dodging the cops. Good call. Good call. The cops were like. They were making a reference, a veiled reference to the L.A. Dodgers. He didn't play baseball. No, he didn't. Was he a favorite sport? Uh, America's pastime. No, he likes skydiving. That's dodging. Skydive. Clouds. The old, as as he would call it, the old pop fly. Bringing it back to baseball. Right. And the cops were like, you look super familiar. Oh, Where? right. You look exactly like this sketch we have of this guy who's strangling abandoned women on the highway. Now, where have I seen your face? Uh, you're thinking of the break room, girl. The break room? Remember that guy, white guy with a large nose that's posted on the bulletin board? Hey, he's on the bulletin board. The bu- we have a bulletin board? And the, re- the guy's never been, never taken notice of it. You know how some people at work never notice what's in the office? We have a bulletin in the, in the break room? I've never been to the break room. I've been in the break room seven times. I make my coffee. I say, how's the weather to the guy who doesn't say anything back to me? Where's the bulletin board? Anyway. So they took pictures of his car and questioned him, but they let him go without filing any charges. There's the fridge. Where the hell is the bulletin board? Well, when you figure out where the bulletin board is, come back to me. On December 21st, 1986, on a hill next to the road at Lake Berryessa, police found the remains of Catherine Kelly Quinones, a 25-year-old sex worker from Sacramento. Quinones. Quinones? I don't know. Oh, Quinones? yeah, Quinones. Quinones? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, KKQ. Yeah. She had been released from Sacramento County Jail on November 5th, 1986. There was a parachute cord found around her neck. That's, see, that's going to be a little bit incriminating, because this guy, I don't know if you've mentioned it, we mentioned it in the first half, he's a skydiver. I know, I'm getting to that. Oh. And the there police was, know that? No, I don't know. They don't have anything other than, like, they questioned him once, they don't have any belief that, like, anything literally connecting him to the crime, except for the fact that they pulled him over and... He looks like the sketch. That's like not enough to really. And what are they expecting to do? What are they expecting? That the suspect is just gonna fall right out of the sky? (laughs) Anyway. Um, (laughs) Come on. I'm trying to tell you everything. Good. Tell me everything. So, she had been released. I don't like this story. Okay, fine. Well, the sooner you let me talk, the sooner it'll be over, and then you can go to bed. (laughs) Go to bed. All right, well, there was a parachute cord found around her neck made into a garrote. What's a garrote? I don't know. Something skydivers use. It's something skydivers use. Now, that's a 70s TV show in Australia. What's with, a garrote? With two wooden, wooden rods, which Kibbe used to strangle her with. So I guess it's what, like, you... Wooden rods? Pull, well, the things you pull to, like, get the parachute. this guy's thing at all. It might be, like, the thing that you pull to get the parachute to come open when you skydive. Oh. Wait, how do you spell garrote? G-A-R-R-O-T-E. G-A-R-R-O-T-E. I've never, I've never skydiven. A garrote or a garrote, it doesn't give you, I think it's garrote or garate, um, is a weapon, most often a handheld ligature of chain, rope, scarf, wire, or fishing line. 
Never mind. I was wrong. Used to strangle a person. It's just a makeshift word. So like Spanish word. Those are the things that they like. They're so it was basically a parachute cord with two rods tied. So I think it was like a parachute cord with two rods tied to either side, and he was holding onto the rods. He'd like hook it si, over. Senora. In front of it's his... this thing. This standard yeah. thing. It was a. Uh, That's his classic weapon. It looks it's like a very short, a very very short. You jump take rope. the uh, jumper, right? So that short. So in all the movies you've seen, right, the killer has a rope. It's that jump rope type thing, and it, it's very tight. You hold on to either handle, either and handle there's and a rope in the middle and you strangle people. D&D. Yeah. Oh, it's a weapon in D&D. Great. I'll equip Nyko with it. Anyway, um, so he later confessed to killing her and that he left the murder weapon behind because he got caught in her hair and he couldn't cut it out. Yeah, I, you know, I got the girl caught in her hair and, and it was so hard. I, I don't want to, have to cut her hair. I mean, I had things to cut her with. I just didn't want to, have to cut her hair. That's how I imagine it went. Sure. Our Kibbs was finally picked up on September 1987 when he tried to abduct, abduct yet another sex worker in Sacramento. Our kids. After I'm trying to figure out which nickname I like best for him. All right, well, you think about that. And Roger I'll start that. Start talking about this. Okay. After they arrested him, the cops searched his car and found his murder kit, which included scissors, handcuffs, parachute cord. Sound familiar? Does. Authorities believe they had finally caught the I-5 strangler. All shit I'd expect him to have on him, on his person. Can I continue? Yes, they thought they had caught the I-5 strangler, and they were correct. But they didn't want to risk letting him loose again, so they charged him with battery and solicitation and sentenced him to eight months in jail. At any point when he was in jail, did they interrogate him? Well, if they did, he wasn't talking. (sighs) Clammed up. He's a lawyer. He's a quiet. Played the best. See, that's why there's not a lot of information on him, I don't think, because he didn't talk about any of this. Really? He didn't confess to anything. Really? Yeah. But he was in jail. All right, well, I'm getting to that. We're getting to that, right. You keep interrupting me. I know, your slogan is, we're getting to that. Well, because you keep interrupting me. Like a man in a parachute falling to the ground, points down and goes, we're getting to that. Anyway, while he was incarcerated, the police developed their case. Darcy Frankenpole, a 17-year-old runaway Darcy. possible sex worker, was found in September 1987. Oh, mm-hmm. oh no. Near Lake Tahoe, around the area where Kibby's brother well, lived. Lake Tahoe, we've been. Mm-hmm. She had been strangled with a garrote that used the exact same materials in Kibby's murder kit. A garrote. And conveniently, the same materials he used for skydiving. That's handy. Skydiving. Skydiving, <laughs> shut up. Don't make fun of me. I'm trying to just say this so fast so you don't interrupt me in between stuff. You don't have to say it so fast. I won't interrupt you. But you say that every time and you always interrupt me. That's how we do this, though. Because you can't keep your mouth shut for five seconds. Anyway, um, on May 12th, 1991, I'm about five now, for those of you keeping track. Um, And I'm, uh, my mother is just Kibbs and Bits is convicted for, of the first-degree murder of Darcy Frankenpole and sentenced to 25 years to life in prison. Prosecutors... 25 to life. 
prosecutors and police were like, this is the I-5 Strangler, but Roger was not one to brag, and the lack of hard evidence and jurisdictional complications prevented them from investigating any further. But it was the I-5 Strangler. Yeah, but they had very little evidence on him. But what it, hold on, I go back. They sentenced him to 25 to life for killing a person. Yeah. He confessed. No. They found all that stuff in his car. They found the stuff in his car, and then they found Darcy Frankenpole. And said, you did this. So, yeah, I don't know how they... And he con- said nothing. I don't think he confessed to it. I said nothing. I don't know how they actually got it, because that would be, like, really circumstantial. Maybe he just had a bad lawyer, because it's, like, circumstantial evidence. It is? What does that mean, it's circumstantial evidence? Meaning, like, he... The things that he had in his kit were the same things that were used to kill this woman. Right, so you did it. But there's no... But that doesn't mean that he specifically... And then also this... Somebody else could have done it. So, I mean, it was that and then, like, the sketch, but it wasn't, like, there was no, like, physical evidence saying, like, they didn't find him with the murder woman. I keep coming back to the sketch. I'm just saying, in the 70s, that's all they had. They didn't have, like, DNA or any of that stuff. but it's a bulletin board. It's about the trash can. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, anyway, they gathered enough evidence to convict him. Good. Can I say that? Yes. I think I speak for everybody here. Yeah. I say good. Alright, so cut to March 2008 when DNA gets invited to the party. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Time jump. Yeah. Oh, and DNA, all fashionably late. (laughs) So, up until from 91 to 2008, they had only convicted him of that one crime. But he's in jail. Yeah. Which jail? uh, I forget. It's California jail. I'm not going to look it up. Uh, if you want Mule that information, Creek. you're going to have to go to a different pod. Could you stop interrupting me? I would say it if you didn't stop... Go ahead. ...speaking before me. It's coming later. I have a trail. Okay. I have a trajectory. Sure. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, so DNA gets invited to the party, and it Spills the tea that Kibby committed six additional murders, as well as kidnapping and rape, which made him eligible for the death penalty. That's good. Yep. See, a lot of people are trying to get the death penalty abolished in California. Many states. No, the whole, basically the whole country. But what? Because, you know, people are wrongfully convicted and sentenced to death. Mm. But what happens when it's correct? Like, he did this. We have the DNA to prove that he did this. He's all but admitted to doing this. He hasn't admitted it at this point. I said he's all but admitted to doing this. Can we kill him? Well, in September, they didn't end up doing it. Because in September 29th, 2009, Roger Kibbe accepted a deal and pled guilty to the rape and murders of Llewellyn Burley, Laura Hedick. Don't make a deal with this guy. Barbara Ann Scott, Stephanie Brown, Charmaine Sabra, and Kellyanne Quinones. Quinones? Quinones? To avoid getting executed. There's no deal that needs to be made. Well, he's already in jail. They made a deal with him for him to confess to all those things. Although I will say that is my favorite TV show. Let's make a deal. And so he was sentenced to six additional life sentences. Hmm. 
25 to life to life to life to life to life to life to life. Mm-hmm. He was incarcerated at Mule Creek State Prison in Ione, California. Mule Creek sounds like a golf club. Well, what's a prison? About 30 miles from where he once cruised for his victims. Yeah, I part 18 on Mule Creek. <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to last month, February 28th at 12.40 a.m. We're at last month already? Yeah. Okay. At 12.40 a.m. when Kibby was discovered dead in his cell. Oh. His cellmate, 40-year-old Jason Boudreaux, was the only one with him at the time. So he did it. See, this is the... And then you're going to be like, no, it's circumstantial. Well, in that case, I think it probably had to be him. He did it. On March 3rd, the Amador County Sheriff's Office concluded that the cause of death was murder by manual strangulation. Strangulation. Little taste of his own medicine. Yep. And I was going to say the writing's on the wall. No, but literally on the wall, he scratched in, I killed Kibby. I don't think he did that, but that's okay. He was 81 years old, so burn in hell, Roger Kibby. You made your bed, now you gotta lie in it. Now, my whole thing okay. is that I cannot wait for the SNL sketch about this. Because you know how it would go. Oh, God. Here we go. Sir, did you do this? What? Kibby. Uh-huh. Kibby. Yeah. Kibby, did you kill these people? Sorry. Sure, that's exactly what he sounds like. Come on, that's the classic sketch. Okay, yes, Kristen Wiig as Roger Kibbe and Kristen Wiig. She's on the show all the time as Roger Kibbe. There we are. Classic sketch, Kibbe. Sorry. Sorry. So that's the story of the iPhone. That's a very quick story. Well, yeah, considering he's, that... he killed seven people, there wasn't a lot. He of only details. killed seven people. I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> hey. One is a lot. Uh, yes. Any amount Any of killing is a, is a lot. lot. Um, yeah, so there wasn't a lot of other, like, background info about him. Because but you can't, you're not, like, trying to torture me with this one. Because there's not, that's there all wasn't, the information. That's there all that I could find was, like, mostly just about the victims themselves and, like, how he strangled them. So we know the names of the victims. We know that they were strangled. We know that they yeah, were that they are, like, um, Jensen and Holes uh, and the Murder Squad, as they, mm. call, they are called, are still looking for possible other victims of his. There is a couple other. How many more people do they suspect he killed? There is two other possible victims of his. Let me see. I have to look it up because I don't remember. That's fine. We we can, but I want to put this kind of stuff in. All right. Well, I wasn't sure. You said it was getting long, so I didn't want to. It's, I was not. I did not listen. It's not long. It can be two parts. We do two parters. But I want to do All it for right. more than forty-five minutes. A right? high five strangler for other victims. That's him right there. Mm. Big old nose. I don't like the looks of him. Uh, yeah, he looks like a real creepy dude. He doesn't look friendly. He looks really grumpy and touchy. These are the, the victims here. Mm. Uh, so the other possible victims were um, 25-year-old Karen Finch. Ugh, Karen. Was traveling That's from not... Sonora to her home in Lodi. On, Back then she wasn't a real Karen. On June 7, 1986. 
She had been visiting her car, her boyfriend, not her car. That doesn't make sense. She had been visiting her boyfriend in her car, going to visit her boyfriend in her car. And her car was found abandoned on North Ripon Road at the French Camp Road on June 8th. Mm. Karen's body was found on June 14th off of ah. Kiefer Boulevard in Deer Creek. Unlike Kibby's known victims, Karen was stabbed. Her shorts and underwear were cut down the sides. There was mm. DNA recovered at the scene, but it did not match Kibby. So it wasn't. So that wasn't Kibby. I don't know. DNA? Who's DNA? I don't know. It they didn't have a match for it in the system? I guess not. So I don't but know it wasn't that, Kibby. I don't know if that was technically him because it could have been a copycat or someone, you know, just, yeah. Um, and then, uh, like Catherine Kelly Quinones, 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 this is about Robin Simpson. Robin Simpson was a sex worker who was last seen leaving the Sacramento County Jail. She exited the jail in April 1987 and was never seen alive again. Her remains were found in June of 1987 off of the Highway 50 in El Dorado County. However, Robin was not identified until the early 2000s. So that's a possible victim. Yeah, and they know that he spent mo- the majority of his time in Northern California. Uh, he was from Long I Five. Yeah, he was from Chula Vista, San Diego area. Chula Vista, where he visited his father often when looking in San Diego. Yeah, which of course means a whale's vagina. Yes, that's it. Um, what are you tired? <sighs> All right. We don't have to talk about it anymore. I would actually prefer that we don't talk about this anymore. All right, well, that's all there is to say about it. It seems like a short story. Uh, it drags out over a long period of years. Yeah, well, he doesn't, that doesn't explain. But he's been in jail for 30 years. He was in jail from 1991 to 2021. So. Ah, which is 30 fucking years. 1991 was 10 years ago, no. I didn't say that. No, it no was 30 that. years ago. No one said that, okay? Yes, they did. No one said that. I did, and I was right. It was 30 years ago. All right, great. Want to feel old? 1991. No, I, I don't need to feel old. I feel old all the time. I don't need I you to feel. tell me I'm old. All right, well, you know who was old? Roger Cuban. You know what's getting old? Us talking about Roger Cuban. All right, you said you wanted to stop. Yeah, we can go to bed. Good night. How do we sign off? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And if you have any friends that are into True Crime Podcasts, tell them about it so they can listen to it too. Uh, Please stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, I'm open to suggestions if anyone in the uh, KPT fan base, if we have a fan base. KPT fan base. KPT KPT fan base. Has any ideas? Please. Am I saying fan base? I don't know. Fan please. base. Can I talk? One of these days I'm just going to have to duct tape your mouth and just like remove it. Like night. a true serial killer. No, because you won't stop talking over me. Dead. I said if you have any ideas, KPT fan base, uh, please feel free to email us at killerpillowtalk at gmail.com I will answer your inquiries and I will research any uh, suggestions that you have that we haven't done already because I am always looking for ideas of new serial killer stories to tell Charlie and torture him with. And I won't answer that on that uh, email address because I do not know the password. There you go.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye.